Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be here at Eastern Camp, and we would ask that as this week winds down, that as you have a need to speak to individuals here who need to turn their life around and, and think more of thee, we would ask that I would bless their effort and their desire to that end. We would ask that I would be with us this evening hour, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, my, I, I have heard complaints in the past. My voice doesn't carry very well, so I'm going to ask, can everyone hear me okay? Am I amplified well? Okay. So, just to start off, get, get you to know me. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Ed, and I'm from Canada, and I just had my birthday last month, and uh, I'm old. I don't think I'm as old as the, I, the number that I am, I, am, I don't feel that old. I, I just, for some reason, when I was young, people who are my age now, that was like really old. So people who don't know me, how, how old do you think I am? Guess. Guess. You want to guess? How much? 60. 70. Huh? 47, there we go. 50. How old do you think I am? You think I look 50? Guys, grab a seat. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Actually, you're right. I'm 50 years old. But when I was young, people who were 50, they looked really old. And they're supposed to be mature and wise and, and have all this knowledge and ability. And, and I just don't feel that way. I feel so... Not that wise, and, but I am what I am. So, so I'm 50 years old. I, I'm married to my wife, Cheryl, my wonderful wife. She's in the back over there. She's raising her hand. It's her birthday tomorrow, so everyone wish her happy birthday. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I have uh, two kids that um, uh, are in their 20s, I have four teenagers, and I got four preteens. So I'll let you do the math. So I, I love my kids immensely. Um, well, actually, I love them until they reach 13. And then I decided, because they get really cranky at the age of 13, that I'm not going to love them anymore. They're just, just not worth the effort. So at the age of 13, I stopped loving my kids. Actually, that's not true. I love them, but it's conditional love. So if they do what I say, I love them. If I don't, I don't love them. So just so you know, my relationship with my kids. Um, I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. Somehow, I'm not sure how that happened. I never did really well in school, but thank the Lord, I managed to uh, uh, have a career. Uh, I work in the automotive trade. Um, about nine years ago, I went back for a uh, master's degree in counseling, uh, an amazing experience in my life where I am able now to do counseling um, in the addictions field, so I do part-time counseling at a recovery center in my hometown. Um, a wonderful opportunity God has given me. What else can I say about myself? Um, the best thing that ever happened to me, of course, was that I gave my life to the Lord at age 19. What is amazing is here is the teen crowds, so you're, you're 13 to 19, plus a few more. Um, but I was first called by God at the age of 13, a distinct call from God that I, I knew I had to give my life to him, but I just, I'm not going to go into that story right now, but it took me till the age of 19 
before I finally was able to let go and let God. And that was a, the best thing that ever happened to me. So that's me in a nutshell. Okay, so uh, this evening's topic is going to be the battle for control of your mind. The battle for control of your mind. Now, I'm not going to be telling you any stories. I know you like stories because I love stories. Who here heard the sermon last night? Wasn't that awesome? It was such an awesome sermon. And if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, I would have been shaken. Because that, that was, even I was, like, that was just an amazing sermon. Um, but I'm not going to tell you any stories tonight, okay? Um, I'm not going to use any multimedia. Um, we will do a couple object lessons to reinforce what we're going to learn tonight. And in fact, I'm not going to get in-depth spiritually uh, in the sense that you would you know, hear a, a sermon on salvation. It's more of a form type where I'm gonna, I want you to learn something tonight that I hope you take with you. And sorry for all this preamble, but it's important because I asked the question to a number of people, what did you remember in a good teen sermon, a good teen uh, opportunity? And no one seems to remember the teen sermons. It just seems like people are half asleep or they forgot, whatever. So my goal is not necessarily to have a great time right now, but I hope we do enjoy our time together. But I want you to remember this into the future. It's, it's critical that you hear what we're going to learn tonight, especially your generation. You're the first generation, not the first, maybe maybe the second, but for sure you have been so immersed in technology from, you, you don't know any different. Back when I was a young boy, there was no such thing as the internet. Um, in high school, believe it or not, when we did, went to computer class, we had these little programs. I had to fill out these little cardboard papers um, with a pencil and, and to mark them down and to create a little program and send them off to some master, some mainframe computer in another building. It was, there was no such thing as computers were still rudimentary when I was, when I was young. And so your generation has, has grown up with cell phones in your hands, uh, computers, televisions, uh, video, just immense technology. And it's fantastic in one sense, but also can be very, very dangerous in another sense. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, too, a little bit. We're going to talk about behind that. So, again, the theme for this evening is the battle for control of your mind. Now, if you go with the scripture, our, the our scripture theme this evening is going to be um, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. This is the backdrop of the, the topic tonight. Romans chapter 8, 5 and 6. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the Bible tells us that we have a spiritual nature and a physical nature. So I'll ask you a question. What is some of the language the Bible uses to describe our spiritual nature? Just shout it out. What's the, what's the, what are words that we use to describe our spiritual nature part of us? Sorry? Okay, describe, that's an action. What is it, an object? What, is that, what, do, what do we call that spiritual body? I'll change the word. Spiritual body. What do we call that? There's different words. The Old Testament calls it different than the New Testament. A vessel. Keep going here. I don't think it'll be this hard. Go ahead. Flesh. Who spoke here? Okay, flesh is, flesh is your physical body. What is your spiritual body? Soul. Thank you. Soul. Another one. 
Your soul. Has anyone seen your soul? It's part of our spiritual nature. The body says we, the, the Bible says we have a soul. What else do we have? A spirit. Thank you. Spirit. Soul. Okay? Now, this is part of our spiritual nature. Okay? And then um, it works with our body together. In, we read in, uh, in Genesis where the Lord breathed life into dust and it became a living soul. So a heart, a soul, a spirit. It all describes our, our, our spiritual nature joined with our physical nature. Can anyone tell me where does our spiritual nature and our physical body join together? Where in our body? Can anyone tell me? What are they joined together? Natalie, you're pointing in your brain. What do you think? I contend she's right. It's, it's more complicated than that, but in reality, what, what does your brain produce uh, in terms of your supporting your soul, your being? Thoughts? What else? Feelings? Emotions? Your will? Your decision-making? Right? So I contend this evening, and to keep it simple, that the crossroads, the battlefront for the battle for your mind is in your brain or your mind. So I'm going to use that word interchangeably, mind and brain. Okay? So this evening we're going to learn about how our brain works. You're going to think this is a biology class here. But I think it's really important, especially for you people, because Satan has you guys fooled by all your technology, and you need to learn about yourself and how you work. Okay? So we have the spiritual nature, we have the physical nature. So the battlefront is our mind, our brain. It's more complicated than that because our brain is attached to our whole body. Even our heart talks to our brain and all our organs. It's just an amazing uh, intricacy of, of nervous system that we have. But for talking's sake, we'll see the battlefronts in our mind. Okay? Now, how does Satan fight the battle? What are, what are tactics that Satan uses to fight the battle against us in our mind? Lies. Awesome. He tries to deceive us. What else? Good intentions. Good. Starts with the T, the big one. Temptations. He tempts us. He lies to us. And what else does he do to us? He deceives us. He, may, he accuses us and, and makes us think that um, what is not real is there. Kind of like a de- deception. Right? That's, that's what Satan uses against us. Okay? Now, what is, uh, real briefly, what, does, what are the tools that we have spiritually to fight against Satan? Just the general overtop use. Sorry? Prayer. What else? Sorry? Speak louder. Bible. Excellent. It's your basis. The Bible, prayer. What else? Each other. Excellent. Thank you. That's it. Excellent. So Holy Spirit. Those, those are the overview Right of what the so this is the battle lines right now. We talked about Satan trying to deceive us and tempt us on one side, and on the other side of the battle lines are the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and prayer and salvation. Right. So those are the battle lines. Okay. So this battle is taking place in our mind, in our brain, and there's two important points I want you to learn tonight. And we're going to 
learn those points by two different object lessons. And hopefully, these object lessons, we are going to understand better how our brain works and why you need to know how your brain works. Okay, so the first object lesson. Um, okay, I need a, a young man. Okay. Who here likes junk food? Nobody? All right, so I got some fudgios. I got some chip ahoy. All right. Oh, I got some cauliflower too. I got a few more things for you guys. There we go. Some Snickers, Milky Way. I can see your brains are getting excited right now. All right. So here we go. All right. Who's, I need a volunteer. What's that? Okay. I, I, you're going to have to be willing to eat some food up here. Is that okay with you? Yeah, okay. Okay. So here's my lab rat. Sorry, I mean my... Uh, and just, just for everyone knows, this is Andrew Bentz, and he's from Canada. Okay. So Andrew, you can stand right there. So what I'm going to do is you're going to watch him physically do what he does to proceed from the point where he is now to picking something to eat, and he's going to eat it, and then the experiment's over. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to describe what's going on in his mind while he does this. Okay? So he's going to be a good sport and cooperate with me. So you're going to do this in slow motion, okay? So I can talk, so I can keep up with your brain. Okay? So what happened here is the brain already started working immediately as soon as this came on the table, for all of you, by the way. So, um, he has five senses. He heard who likes junk food, and he saw the junk food. So the input goes into his brain, you know, and it goes to the hippocampus. Now, this is an area of the brain that, here, to make it simple, your brain is made up of all these different regions that are we call, they're made of neurons. Your brain has like 86 billion neurons, okay? And then it has, each neuron is connected to each other by thousands of uh, these, these uh, synapses, and they talk to each other through what's called neurotransmitters. I'm gonna throw a bunch of big fancy words that you're making me look really important here, okay? And so what happens is, different parts of your brain have different functions and help you run your life, okay? So we're gonna watch how a person will decide to eat some food here, what happens in his brain. So, the information goes from his eyes and his ears into his place called the hippocampus. That's the memory part of your brain. He says, ah, his brain says, I've seen that before. Right? So, then, so these, then the, the hippocampus says, I'm going to send some information to the next neighborhood, and, find, and that, that's called the amygdala. That's the, the emotional center of your brain. Okay? And he says, what have I remembered about that? It's a memory I have. What did I remember? And the emotional part of his brain, the amygdala says, it was a good experience you had before when you ate some of this food. <laughs> All right? So amygdala 
then says to the hypothalamus that's a different area of a brain, um, am I hungry or not? And as teenagers, your hypothalamus says what? You're hungry. You're always hungry. Right. So the hypothalamus says, sends a signal up to the prefrontal cortex, a different area of the brain, right behind his eyeballs there. Prefrontal cortex. Okay? That's the decision part of your brain. Now his decision-making says, what should I do? Should I eat this food? Which one should I take? So go ahead and decide which one of these you're going to take. This is just an object lesson. This, this one doesn't interest anybody, I'm sure. No. Which one you want? Don't open it yet, but choose which one. You can pick one now. So this is, this is his, his prefrontal cortex working here now. Can you see it working? He's struggling away here. Now, while his prefrontal cortex is working, there's a part of his brain called the VTA. Okay? It produces a chemical neurotransmitter called dopamine. Now, dopamine is a chemical that floods your brain and gives you motivation to do what you need to do. Okay? You, everyone needs dopamine to make a decision to get up in the morning, to eat food, and to, to go what you have to do. So you all need dopamine. So now dopamine is now flooding his brain slowly as he decides here. Because dopamine actually makes you feel good and motivates him. But this is the best part right here. The dopamine goes to a place in his brain called the nucleus accumbens. And that's the pleasure center of your brain, right in the dead center okay, of his brain. Okay? We love the pleasure center of our brain. Because when dopamine, that neurotransmitter, goes into that, that, into that reward center of our, our brain, it feels good. So when you do something that's pleasurable or think about something that's pleasurable, we have dopamine flooding the nucleus cummins part of our brain and we feel good. So he's feeling good right now because he has dopamine going into his brain. This happens in just microseconds. It's happening while we're talking. So did you make a decision? It's so hard. I know. It's a, make a decision. The Twix. So he picks the Twix. Now, he picked it up in his hands. The crinkling of the sound goes back in his ears and more dopamine is coming into his head and he's getting more excited. In fact, you're not seeing it, but his saliva glands are starting to work right now. He's working up saliva in his mouth right now. Okay, go ahead and open it up. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I can't. <laughs> here. Ugh. I agree. Who's here strong? Okay, we got it open. All right. Proceed to eat. So the saliva glands are working in his mouth, anticipating him putting that in his mouth right now. So go ahead and try not to choke. I don't know CPR that well. Eat half of it. Okay. So now he's chewing it slow motion. So his saliva glands are moving it around in his mouth. Okay? Now there's sugar receptors on his tongue. Okay? Now these sugar receptors are super excited and they're sending information up to the stratum of the brain. There's a location in the brain called the thalias that sends, uh, it's like a neighborhood in the brain that sends information to all the brain and it's saying, this is awesome. So it's sending information to the VTA, producing more dopamine. Dopamine's going to the pleasure sensors of his head, and he says, this is just a great experience. But as 
prefrontal cortex says, this is also a bit embarrassing as everyone's watching me eat this at the same time. So his mind's going all over the place. But in reality, he's enjoying himself. So the, the, the cerebrium is the part of the brain that actually gave him the muscles and decision to open this up. Not really. And then he uh, <laughs> put it in his hand. And then he put it in his mouth. So the brain told him exactly what to do. So the part of the brain that has motor skills. So what are you going to do next? He can't resist. Put it in your mouth here and eat it away. Keep it going. There we go. See, he couldn't resist. The brain says, I love this experience. I want more. And so he sticks the other part happening in his brain. So what's happening is we have a complete circuit of the motivation from the point he heard, first heard there was a snack to the point where he's eating it and he has the pleasure of enjoying a snack. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your helping me out here. Okay. Here, Andrew, do me a favor here. Grab that in there. Okay, we'll move it over there. Okay, I have a... a, a no. Do me a favor. Um, I want this all gone by the time you, when you guys leave here. Please empty this table off. But one, don't be greedy. Okay, take one piece at a time. But eat it before you get to the sanctuary. I don't want the sanctuary full of food. Uh, okay, so we learned how... Our brain works, how we make decisions. Okay, That's normal for us to work that way. It provides motivation for us to make decisions every day. Now, it's way more complex than I'm describing it, but I'm just giving you one example of how our brain works through um, the neurons and the neurotransmitters and the, and the chemicals working in our heads to help us make decisions. Okay, So the next object lesson. I need, you had your chance, so I need, uh, put up your hands if you're 13 years old. 13? <laughs> if, if I call you, come on down. 13? Four, who's 14? Who's 14? Uh, 15? Who's 15? 15? 15? Who's uh, 16? 16? 16? 16? Who's 17? No, 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 you sit, you sit, no, you sit down here. You're wounded. 17? 17? 18? Who's 18? And last but not least, who's 19? Uh, 19, 19, 19, 19, no, 19. All right. So as you, you may have figured out, um, we're going to have, I know I shouldn't do this, but we're going to have guys against the girls. So the girls go over here, and the guys go over here. All right, guys, stretch this guy out here. Try, don't take a lot up. Be careful. All right, ladies, stretch this out here. Try not to help me untangle it. Uh, if it tangles up, we have to make it. All right. And I want uh, the 19-year-old in the middle. Who's the 19 here? Ah, you're in the middle. Okay, and I want one person at each one of the balloons. Who's the 19-year-old here? Caleb in the middle. Okay. Okay. Oh, we need more space here. 
Okay, one person at the balloon. Where's the balloon? Right there, you're there, you're there, and where's the other one? You're there, okay. Um, create a triangle by the, by the balloons, and you, you're gonna face Caleb. So like this, right, and two guys are in the middle. Ladies, guys move over. Move over, guys. That way. Okay, all right, you can't run into the ladies. Okay, make a triangle, guys. Come on, you guys can do this. Don't embarrass the guys here. Okay, ladies. Um, ooh, it's a bit tight here, eh? Guys, you're going to move over a bit more. Okay, ladies, move over here a little bit. How, how about come over here, come out more? All right. All right, go ahead and make your triangle. And the lady, there's, I want a lady in each in the middle. Go in the middle of each end. Go in the middle here. One right here and one there. Okay, grab onto the rope. Everyone grab onto the rope facing the person in the middle. Okay? You got a triangle here. All right. So let everyone know in the group who you are. I'm Samantha. Samantha. All right, Samantha, I want you to face, who are you? Danielle. Danielle. Samantha's going to face Danielle dead center. Okay? Now I want the rest of you to remember exactly your position right now to Samantha. Okay? Remember, this is your reset point. Remember your position of Samantha. All right, gents, this is Caleb. You are? Noah. Noah. Noah, you're facing Caleb. Guys, I want you to remember this exact position you are with Caleb. Okay? This is, this, this is called the reset point. So when I tell you reset, you have to go to this position right here. This is, this is, the, how you look, this is what you uh, see right now. Clear as mud? All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to tell Caleb and Samantha to turn, okay, and then you have to go back to this position matching where he's standing, okay? But you've got to close your eyes and you can't talk, okay? And then when they move, I'll let you open up your eyes, but you still can't talk. No, after you open your eyes. And then I say go, you reset. So you can't see where he turns, Okay, but then I say go, you open up your eyes and go to that position as fast as you can. Okay, ladies, you understand? Here. Not really? We're shutting our eyes, she's turning, and we're Yeah, after I say go, you open up your eyes and you reposition. This is a pathetic triangle here. Let's go. Okay, get in the center here. Okay. So, she's going to move. You have to reset yourself to the same position that you are now. So, Samantha, don't move. Okay. All right. So you, after they move, you close your eyes. Okay, everyone close your eyes, except for Samantha and Caleb. Okay. Your eyes are closed. Okay, Samantha. Stand, stand here. Just, okay. okay, reset. Is that a triangle? Like a what is this thing? Oh my, not bad. A little effort. Okay, triangle, guys. Triangle. Don't, that's not a triangle. Triangle. Okay. Guys, close your eyes. Again, let's try it again. I think the guys clearly beat the girls there. No, we don't. 
Okay. Guys, close your eyes. Girls, close your eyes. Okay, reset. Open your eyes and reset. Open your eyes. No talking. Oh, come on, the guys again. You're allowed to open, when I say you reset, you open your eyes. Right? You didn't know that? Okay. Let's try it again. Okay, close your eyes. Reset. What is this thing? All right, close your eyes, reset. Close your eyes, reset. Close your eyes, reset. Close your eyes. Reset. Close your eyes. I'm going to keep going until you get it. Let's go. Reset. Okay, one more time. Uh, I was pretty close. They're catching up to you guys. You guys are starting to slack off there. They're getting good. Okay, one more time to see if the girl's actually as good as you. Okay, close your eyes. Reset. Oh, the guys are a little faster. Okay, thank you very much. That's the end of the lesson. You're probably wondering what it's all about. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Okay, without me telling you Okay, so what happens, this is the second lesson. This is the second lesson of what happens in your brain. There's three ways that you learn. This is how the brain learns. There's a, a, a chemical way, a structural way, and then a overall um, action way. So what happens is the chemical way of learning is, is the very first when we watch Andrew decide to eat some junk food, okay? So that's, you do that every day, you make decisions, and all these chemicals go flying around in your head, asking each part of the brain what to do, make a decision, and you, you go for it, right? So that's very good for short-term memory. And, and, and what happens, though, you can easily forget stuff, you learn something for the first time, and then uh, you go back to do it again, uh, a day or two later, you kind of forget, and you have to remember again. Okay, that's the, a chemical way of your brain changing. Now, the next way is a structural way. The more you do an action, the stronger your brain gets. So going back to our brain model, you have all these neighborhoods in our brains and all these highways going to the different neighborhoods, and as you do an action over and over again, you create more highways to those same neighborhoods in your brain. So all of a sudden, you're strengthening different areas of your brain. So we saw this happening in our object lesson right now. At the beginning, it was pretty sad, wasn't it? You know? Uh, they were kind of not that good. I won't say which one were worse. Um, and, but that's how our brain works, is when we do something for the first time, we're not that good at it. Our brain's trying to figure it out. We're wrestling with it. 
But as you practice, 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 you get better, right? So as I made them do it over again and do it again, eventually that one group caught up, right? And they started getting better because they practiced and they thought about it. Your brain works the same way. There's strengthening in different areas of your brain as you use it more, okay? And the last way is each area together with the chemical and the strengthening, as you use different areas of the brain, it becomes more uh, excitable and easier to use. For example, uh, cab drivers in the city of London have a certain part of their brain that's uh, used for, for mapping that is really lit up and very strong because they have to memorize the streets of London to, to, to get their cab license, right? So they, they did an MRI of their brain and that, that part of their brain is just lit right up when they're, when they're driving around taking people around because they use it a lot. That's their job. Okay, so we have learned by these two object lessons how our brain works. Again, through the chemical way and through structural way by practicing, practicing, practicing. Has anyone heard of the 10,000 hour rule? Ever heard of that? Natalie? Sure. Right, it's, 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 a, it's a theory. But if you want to become really, really good at something, if you spend 10,000 hours doing it, you're going to become an absolute expert. What's that actually happening? It's changing your brain. There's a name for that. What's that called? What's the technical, biological name for your brain changing? I'm sure someone knows. It starts with an N. Neuro, neuroplasticity. neuroplasticity. Has anyone ever heard of that before? Neuroplasticity your brain actually changes, okay? It's true, all the time. So, here we are, a group of teenagers now, and you guys have it a little tougher than the younger ones and the older ones because you just all went through some sooner and some later through a period called puberty, okay? So what happens is, the hypothalamus, which controls your hormones, wakens up your sexual parts of your body, and all of a sudden, that whole part of you, your sexuality, now starts working on your brain, and then you start becoming more sensitive to your sexuality. Now, as a young teenager, your brain has parts that are more developed and less developed. Okay? Now, the pleasure center of your body, the, the, uh, the, I just called the pleasure center, I won't get to the, the big word again, and is highly developed. You become, as a teenager, as your hormones go through your body, it becomes very sensitive. So you're very sensitive to the pleasure center of your body. Okay? Um, it's also your emotions and, and so on. So now, a part of your body that's not developed yet is your prefrontal cortex. Okay? It's the part that's thinking and decision making. So when you guys make decisions, often you're making it with your emotions and the pleasure center of your body instead of the thinking part of your body. It's a fact. You do that. So when your parents get on your case for you making a bad decision, you say, hey, blame it on the brain. The brain did it, right? Can you say that? No, you can't. Okay. So that describes a teenage brain uh, very briefly that you are living with. Now, your brain, is, there's something called pruning. Your, your brain actually is the biggest at what age? 
Who's a 13-year-old here? Put up your hand. Stand up for a second. Who's 19? Caleb, stand up. Who has the bigger brain? Physically. His brain is bigger than Caleb's brain. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. Physically, though. <laughs> so what's happening, though, the brain grows up to about age 13, and then starts shrinking, and then it's called pruning. It starts working and developing until about the early 20s. Okay? And then that's when your, your prefrontal cortex is fully developed. Okay, so now you have the backdrop for the battle of your brain. Okay? All this information is good because now it can be used for you or against you. Can anyone tell me what that means? How can what we just learned, I spent all this time talking about this, how can we use for you against you? So if you make decisions continually that are bad, what does it do to your brain? It strengthens that part of the brain. Now I work in addictions now as counselor, and I have these people who are your age and older and younger, and their brains are strengthened in the area of their addiction, okay? Whether it's drugs or alcohol or gambling or sex or whatever it is, they can't stop themselves because they overused it extensively. Now when you take heroin, it's a hard illegal drug, it, it creates a huge amount of dopamine and just floods your head. While the person's on that drug, they feel just fantastic. When you're taking sugar, it does the same thing almost, but not quite to that level. But it does have the same idea. But it's the same thing when you are using your cell phone, when you're on social media, especially when you're talking about yourself, they've done studies on this, when you're watching a TV show full of sex, when you're watching a, a blockbuster movie full of violence and sex, when you're watching or playing a video game that is intense violence and action, all that is impacting your brain. And it makes you feel good. That's why you keep doing it. And these people who create these programs are master manipulators. They know exactly what the brain wants. All right? The brain wants to feel good. So they will create the programs, whether it's a video game or whether it's a movie or a TV show, to make you feel good. You ever wonder why shows progressively get more gratuitous, more sexual, more violent? It's because they're trying to keep you interested. Because the dopamine levels drop off, they, you, you lose interest, they have to get you more interested, so they put something in there to get you back interested again. Pornography, a big one. The big difference between pornography now and the past is that you have an incredible amount of access to pornography. Um, back when I was small, or a teenager, I should say, if I had to go look at some pornography, I had to go way out of my way because there's no such thing as a, a phone or a computer to look at it. It was a lot of effort. Right now, click of a button, you can see any pornography you want. And pornography acts the same way. It creates this dopamine in your head and it makes you feel good. Okay, what happens though, if you keep watching it, you're, you're going to start losing your dopamine receptors in your head. It starts start dying off because your head's flooded with unnatural dopamine. It's not natural for you to have so much. And then you start watching more hardcore porn. And I'm sure you, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Because that previous stuff, the Sears magazine, didn't, didn't cut it for you anymore. So now you went into to other stuff that is getting more 
and more gratuitous. And now, next thing you know, you're watching stuff that you would never think you would ever watch because you're looking for that high and you can never have enough. And it works with video games, it works with shows, everything, the same way. But the problem with porn is it works as your sexuality to the point that if you become addicted to porn, you are actually hurting that pleasure center of your body. This is a warning. And then what happens is as you get older and mature, you have actually changed your brain to match that which you have chased after. Okay? And then all of a sudden, when you want to have a relationship, a normal relationship within a marriage between a man and a woman, and when you have that sexual relationship, it's not going to satisfy. And you're going to have problems in your marriage because of it. Because of the way you ruined the pleasure center of your, of your head. And this happens to a lot of guys. And because of the fact that you guys have such close accessibility, you may think, well, I'm tricking my parents, they don't know about it, and you know, this is fantastic because no one can see me what I'm doing. You are ruining yourself. Not to talk about the spiritual dimension. I'm just talking about the physical, relational dimension of your life. So just a warning that that's how addictions start. Now, when I work at a recovery center, these people are, they just can't stop doing what they're doing, whatever it is. But their problem is not physical. This information I gave you, in essence, is not super beneficial unless they know that there's a battle for their mind. And the battle for them is they've given up. There's a battle for their mind and they've given up. They let their body take over. They let their brain control them. They let their brain control them. They don't control their brain. They, they just, all they care about is feeling good. And when they come off whatever they're doing, it, they, 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 don't, they don't feel good, they feel bored, they, feel, they, don't feel, they don't feel good, and they just want to get back to that drug, whatever it is. And some of you who have been overusing your drug of choice, whatever it might be, might know what I'm talking about. That whenever you're not doing that favorite thing that you like to do that makes you feel good, and you're not doing it, you don't feel good at all and you've got to rush back and do that thing that, that makes you feel good. Not a healthy way, and it's a sign of an addiction. So I want to warn you, your brain has actually changed, and you're making it harder for yourself to recover and to overcome. Okay. Does anyone know what the word addiction means in Latin? Do I see a hand? The Romans had people what they called addictus. What, what did that mean? Slave. They were slaves. A person who was addictus was a slave. And that's exactly what you are when you become addicted. You can't control yourself. And as teenagers, that is the free choice you have is to decide what you're going to do with the decisions you make. Are you going to chase that pleasure center and, and use it abnormally? Are you going to create strong pathways for servicing your pleasure? Or are you going to instead yield to the spirit and yield to the part that you know you should? So that's the, that's the question that we're going to be looking at, we're looking at tonight. That's why it's so, so important for you to understand how your brain works. Okay, so we talked about um, the, uh, how a teen brain works. Now, now how do we know um, if you're winning or losing the battle? What does it look like in the brain if you're winning the spiritual battle? Who's winning the battle for you in your brain? That's my question for you. So I have another object lesson, but it has to do with me. So what happens is that I'm going to give you a picture of my view of what a teen brain looks like. 
So I asked my preteen, I say, okay, here, um, I have a little daughter, Adina, a little cutie, and uh, how old is Adina? Seven years old? Six. Kids age. Okay, I say, Adina, can you go and take uh, this uh, Kleenex box and put it on the table over there? Daddy, I love you. That's my daughter. She's just beautiful. She's preteen. All right. So, what does it look like for a teen brain? I'll show you my interpretation of a teen brain. Uh, my dear teenager, could you please uh, take this Kleenex box and put it over the table? Could you please take the, the Kleenex box and put it on the table? Talking to me? What do you want now? Can't you see I'm busy? Why do you want it over there anyways? It's perfectly fine there. <sighs> My life is so hard. <laughs> he doesn't know what I'm going through. I am suffering right now if he only would recognize what I have to put up with in my life. And I was the one to get picked on. I helped out last week. And here he's picking on me again. Why can't my brother do it? Why do I have to do it? Why can't I do it tomorrow? Oh. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. I got only halfway through. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm hungry too. <sighs> oh, you know what? This weekend, I'm going to have a great time. I'm going out with some friends. Wow, man, that's going to be a great time. Oh, oh, man, I just can't wait that I'm going to be going to see my friends. Life is wonderful. Oh, man. Oh, he's still there. My life is miserable. But if I don't do it, I'll get punished. I'm always getting punished. Good enough. All right. Thank you. Now, is that accurate, or what do you think? What, did I over-dramatize it a little bit? You know, as... Which one of my kids was that? No, don't answer that question. Okay, so it's definitely amusing, but when you're a parent, it is not amusing. Talk to the parents here who have teenagers. It can be so frustrating. You take it so personal when we hear this, and the logic is just not there. And it's like, you want to rip out my hair. And it's, I have to realize, and I have to, and that's where, as a parent and as a Christian and as a child of God, I have to learn to have that patience of love for my, for my, uh, for my child. So um, that is often how a teenage brain will work. So how do you know if you're losing the battle? So we're running out of time. Actually, how much time do I have? I'm out of time almost, or 8.34? Can I, I need more time. We're almost done. This is wrapping it up. Okay. So, in getting serious now, 
Okay, this is what it looks like um, in your mind if you're losing the battle. Okay, this is the, these are the actual things. This is serious. I want you. To, I'm going to go read this really fast. Um, but if this is your mind, I want to suggest to you you may be losing the battle for your mind. Okay, and please be honest and serious with yourself. Okay, I'm going to read it fast. Doesn't matter if you remember it, but you focus on your image. You're easily bored, constantly lying. You're stubborn. Feel no one loves you. Feel God will not love you. Find everything a challenge. Full of lust. Look to other people to make me happy. Worried about what others think of me. Lack of respect for parents. Blind to my faults. Constantly chasing a new high. Only thinking of myself. Hurtful. Not seeing the consequences of my actions. Ignoring the counsel of others. Self-will. Self-deception. No faith in God. Selfishness. The void in my heart never goes away as much as I try to fill with instant gratification and momentary pleasure. In fact, the void seems to be getting larger. Stress over the smallest things. I focus on money. I can't forgive. I'm judgmental. Do not like myself. I demand perfection of others. I'm tense. I'm well-connected to procrastination. Uh, the food in the back burner. Uh, tense. Well-connected. Uh, hard heart. Looking for acceptance. Manipulative. Thinking things will never change. Self-pity. Anger. Doubt. Fear. Absence of God. Constant turmoil. No peace of mind. Uh, no trust. Spiritually blind. No self-worth. No faith. No hope. Confused, irresponsible, self-righteous, defying God, mad at God, feeling empty, and I can keep on going. If I'm describing you or parts of you, there's potential that you're losing the battle. Now, there's three strategies you need to win the battle. One is you need to take a, uh, an intelligence report on your head. Look at that list and ask yourself if that's you. And if you're interested in winning the battle for your mind, you need to take a serious stock of your, of your mind. And then if you do... What do you need to do? It's called repent. You turn your life around. You have to turn from those thoughts. You admit to God that you're a sinner. You can't control yourself. You're a slave to sin and that you need God in your life. And you know exactly all about that. It's all about camp. I'll leave that to other people. But I'm telling you, it was the battle of your mind because you have no control. And if you want control in your life, you need God in your life. You need that to God to fight for you. So you need to do an intelligence, intelligence report. You need to be recognize your weapons. What are your weapons? We talked about it. The Bible, the Holy Spirit, the salvation, the renewed mind. All those things you know about are your uh, weapons to fight against the enemy. And the third thing you need is you need to keep battling. You need don't give up. Just because you think, I will never change, I can never, I can never overcome, God promises that if you commit to him and give your life to him, those parts of your brain that you have messed around with can be corrected if you rely upon God. And you can create new pathways and new ways to serve him and find pleasure in the service of God. It can happen, but you need God in your life. And the last thing is, what does it look like to um, know if you're winning the battle for your mind? And I want, and I actually made copies for that. I want you to take that with you. So what we have here is uh, I made 125 copies. I wasn't sure how many are here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put them over by the candy. If you take a candy, you better take one of these. So, so what it is, um, this, and then after this we're done. I'll have a short prayer and then I'll let you go. Um, this is a sign that you are winning the battle, okay, in your mind. I'm alive with Christ. I'm not alone. I have a new attitude all things work together for my good. I allow people in my life. I have access to the Father through Jesus. I'm born again. I have a burden for the lost. I have been, bought, I have been brought near to God through the Christ's blood. I belong to God. 
I'm born of God and Satan cannot touch me. I bring glory to God. I'm committed. I'm a citizen of heaven. I confess my faults to one another. I'm not confused. I'm cooperative. I'm not condemned. I am God's co-worker. I'm not controlled by emotions. I've been called. I am more than a conqueror. I treat others with dignity. I am delivered. I'm a dwelling for the Holy Spirit. I'm his disciple. I'm encouraged. I encourage others. I'm faithful. I'm set free. I'm forgiven. I forgive others. I'm God's child. I'm growing. I am not helpless. I have hope. I can humble. I can be humble, gentle, patient, and tolerant of others. I'm included. My identity is in Jesus Christ. I have joy. I can be kind and compassion. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I let go of my eagles, my hates, and my resentments. I possess the mind of Christ. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a new creation. I have not been given a spirit of fear. I am overcoming. I let others in my life. I desire to care for others. I think of others. I please my Heavenly Father. I have peace of mind. I bring peace and joy to others. I have my priorities in right order. I find pleasure in God. I have purpose for living. God's power works through me. I'm persevering. I'm protected. I'm promised eternal life. I don't question God. I'm raised up with Christ. Repentance is a part of my life. I have a renewed mind. I recognize my God loves me. I strive to be like Jesus Christ. I seek direction. I share. I'm secure. I'm saved. I'm a saint. There is a purpose for my sufferings. I am not bound to sin. I trust in God. I can thank thank Him for everything. I'm united with other believers. I'm victorious. I'm willing to learn about myself. I am not in want. I am God's workmanship. I yield my thoughts to God. I am zealous for the things of God. And there are more promises in the scripture if you're willing to seek them out. You can win the battle for your mind, but you need to commit. So let's have a short prayer and I'll let you go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be again here at Eastern Camp and we would ask as we spent this time together that Satan is so strong and sometimes when he's battling us in our mind, we think we just are not able to overcome and, and we just want to give in to instant gratification. We want, want to just to think maybe I'll do it tomorrow to put salvation on the back burner. Heavenly Father, may we realize that when we commit to you, you promise you'll be there for us. There's so many promises and pleasure in serving you, Heavenly Father, but Satan has deceived us and lied to us and told us that we cannot serve you. We're not strong enough and there's no pleasure in serving God, but we know it is not true. We ask for your strength. We ask for your wisdom. We desire to serve you and love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.